So I want to share with you a Hidush that is connected to what we're saying. Not exactly connected, but definitely connected. We have, as you know, a berit with Hashem. Hashem made a berit with Am Yisrael. A berit milah. So the word berit describes two parties that make a covenant. In simple English, it means that they make an agreement that they're going to be united in something or more than one thing. Hashem made with Am Yisrael a berit that we have some sort of connection to Hashem and the reminder or perhaps the, the consummation of this covenant is a Brit Milah. Every time a baby boy is born, we have an opportunity or more than that, a obligation to bring this new person into the Berit. How do we bring a Jew into the Berit? By circumcising the Orla. That's how he enters the covenant that Am Yisrael has with Hashem. question is, if you think about it, why would Hashem make a covenant in such a in such a in such a manner? You know, when people make agreement, they sign documents. It's uh, festive. It's happy. Why would Hashem decide that the covenant between us and Him is by cutting off a piece of our body? So, uh, would not seem to be our first, our initial uh, way of doing a covenant. Hashem says, oh, the covenant with me, that's how we do it. You cut off a piece of your body and we become connected. There was a Roman by the name of Turnus Rufus. He asked Rabbi Akiva the following question. He says, if your creator, if the creator of the world if the creator of the world chose to make an orla extra foreskin 
what gives you the right to cut it? Basically, he's asking a strong question. He's telling Rabbi Akiva that by cutting the orla, you're actually going against the wishes of the Creator. Because he could have created the human without the orla. He chose to create him with the orla. And we know whatever Hashem does is perfect. So if Hashem is perfect and his actions are perfect, so what gives you the right to go against his will and make what he made, which is perfect, imperfect? So therefore, what you guys are doing is not just nonsense. You know, sometimes people say, oh, it's nonsense. What does that mean? Who cares? He's saying more than that. Not just nonsense. You're going against the will of the Creator. Here you are saying that you're doing the will of the Creator. It's against the will of the Creator. That's a question that he asked Rabbi Akiva. He asked him another similar question. He said to him, how come you guys give charity to poor people? He says, don't you believe that the creator of the world controls the people that he creates and controls how much they have, how much panasa they have. So if God chose not to give a person and that person now is an ani, how do you have the audacity to go against his will and to give money to poor people. So again, another strong question. He's not just saying that there's no reason to give charity. He's saying it's wrong to give charity. Because if Hashem wanted, he would have done it himself. So if he didn't do it, that's a proof that he doesn't want to do it. And if he doesn't want to do it, what gives you the right to go and do what he doesn't want? This is another question by the Roman to the Biakiva. Why do you cut the Orla? And why do you support Anim? I think here there's a very deep thought, and I think it's very relevant. So I want to share with you what, I didn't see this in any book. I hope to look for it and find it. But I think the idea is very powerful. Rabbi Akiva answered this Roman that the mitzvot are not for Hashem. The mitzvot are for us. So when Hashem made the Allah. It's actually an imperfection. And he wants us to perfect ourselves. Which means that the Roman thought that we're coming to help Hashem. 
when we do a mitzvah for him, we're helping him. He's saying, God doesn't need your help. That's the way he wants it. So what are you doing? Doesn't need your help. Rabbi Akiva says the mitzvot are not to help him. The mitzvot are for us. He came to help us. So by making the orla, by making something imperfect, he's helping us become ourselves perfect. That's what Rabbi Akiva says. So Hashem made the ani on purpose. He made him imperfect so that we can make him perfect. He gave him things that he's lacking. So he gives me and you the opportunity to help. That's the way we answer the Roman. But I'd like to just give a little deeper idea that, you know, when Hashem makes something not perfect, that is a great sacrifice. It's a great sacrifice. Hashem is perfect, which means that everything He does is perfect. For someone who is perfect to do something not perfect, that's called a sacrifice. Just lemashal, not exactly the same, but lemashal. You've all met perfectionists, some over-the-top perfectionists. If they don't see everything perfect, something is off, they can't function. They are people of such nature. nature. Their perfectionist mindset needs to see everything perfect as much as humanly possible. For someone who is perfect, it is a great sacrifice to make something not perfect. In fact, perhaps, and I've told you this many times, Hashem makes in the world things that give us a mashal to understand concepts. So if I told you that someone who's perfect has a hard time doing something not perfect, it's like, what does that mean? So Hashem made this perfectionist in the world. There are people like that. So we have a little mashal to understand. Right? It hurts them. Because, because really, someone who's perfect, part of being perfect is to do perfect. So anything less than perfect is a knock on their perfection. And if you're a perfectionist, a knock on your perfection is very hurtful. So imagine the creator of the world, his perfection is up, perfect on all levels. And for him to make something that's not perfect, that is considered a huge sacrifice. So when he created the Orla, that was him sacrificing to make something not perfect. When he made Ani, when he created a child and he made him lacking money or other things, that's called creating imperfections. 
We see imperfections throughout the world. Hashem made us lacking many things. Not just money, and it's not just the orla. Person is lacking certain relationships. A person is lacking marriage. person is lacking health. There are certain things that Hashem made in this world that are not perfect. You know, a perfect world would be a world where everybody is born perfect, where everybody has everything they need to live and be happy, where people never miss not money, not health, not any kind of social things that they're missing. They're not missing kavod. They're not missing honor. They're not missing satisfaction. That's a perfect world. A world where everything is perfect without you or I or anybody else missing anything. Perfect. But the creator of the world, he sacrificed a very big sacrifice for him by making a world that's not perfect. And he said to us that I'm making a berit with you. What's the berit? What is the choice of the berit? The choice of the berit is that I'm going to sacrifice and make something not perfect. And I want you to sacrifice to make it perfect. That's a berit. A berit of the highest caliber. Not just a berit of signatures. A berit of empty words. A berit where two parties both sacrificed to create shlemut. To create something complete. Hashem could have completed it himself. But he chose to sacrifice for us so that we would be able to elevate ourselves and be like Hashem. Hashem says, I'm going to leave room for you so you can fix the problem and you can be like me. So, but basically, the way it works is that Hashem sacrifices for us and we sacrifice for Him. And through the two sacrifices, only through both sacrifices, can there be a world that is shalem, that is complete. Each person in their lives is given this berit. The berit milah is only one sign of the berit. That's the mitzvah Hashem gave us to remind us. The berit milah is not just a one-time experience in our lives. It is the first one that's supposed to remind us always that this is our life mission where Hashem makes things incomplete and we come to complete them. Hashem makes someone ani, we come to give him the money. Hashem makes someone lacking kavod, we give him the respect. Hashem lacks, uh, makes us lacking wisdom, Hashem could have made us full of wisdom, perfect. He makes us lack wisdom, 
so that we can bring wisdom and make ourselves shalem. We become godly only through Hashem sacrificing by not making things perfect. He gives us that ability to rise and make ourselves perfect. And that is really our partnership with Hashem throughout our lives. And that is, by the way, that is the recipe of anybody. The recipe of any partnership that is real, that brings shalom. What does the word shalom mean? People think shalom means peace. Not the right translation. At least what they say, peace in America, they mean when people are not in conflict. That is called peaceful. They say, oh, this guy is peaceful. Shalom doesn't mean peace. Unless the word peace doesn't mean what I just said. Shalom doesn't mean that. For example, if a person would go into a cemetery, so you could say it's very peaceful here. And a cemetery is very peaceful. There's nobody fighting. There's nobody talking. Everyone sits in their hall. And there's a tremendous amount of peace. But shalom doesn't apply to a cemetery. You can't say, oh wow, there's a lot of shalom over here. Because the word shalom doesn't mean a lack of conflict. There is conflict, terrible. There's a lack of conflict. And then there's shalom. When people are in shalom, there's tremendous beracha and shalom. Tremendous. In fact, anytime we pray, the highlight of our tefillot is shalom. For example, the Amidah, we say, we praise Hashem, we ask, we ask. The final item, seems shalom. That's how we end the Amidah. Shalom. When we, when we say Berkat HaMazon, or say shalom. When we pray Arbit, bless Berachaz, Ashkivenu Avinu Shalom. The Berkat Kohanim, the beautiful Beracha, the Kohanim bless us with every day. And shalom. Shalom is the ultimate blessing. So much so. Thank you, Alex. Correct. We see in Pinehas for the great act that he did, the great act of sacrifice. Hashem gave him Beriti Shalom. Shalom is the greatest of all Berachot. That's what the Mishnah says in the end of Shas. It says that Hashem didn't find a greater blessing to give Am Yisrael than the blessing of Shalom. Unfortunately, many people don't know what that word means. Shalom doesn't mean we don't fight. A house that has Shalom Bayit is a beautiful home. 
but it doesn't mean a home where the people in there don't fight. That is not shalom. If you have a home where people are fighting, that's gehinam. If they're not fighting, it's not gehinam, but it's not Gan Eden. But if you have shalom in your home, you have Gan Eden in your home. What is shalom in a home? Shalom is when the people in the home are completing each other. When they're each sacrificing for the other to make each other complete. That is the formula of any berit. The formula of any berit is two people that give up of themselves in order to make the other person shalem. Shalom comes from shlemut, completion. So therefore, me and you cannot have a berit relationship, which is a very high relationship, unless we're sacrificing for each other. When you have a bayit, that the wife is sacrificing for her husband, and the husband is sacrificing for his wife, where parents sacrifice for their children, and children sacrifice for their parents. When you have friendships, that people are sacrificing for each other, a sacrifice could be very small, as small as smiling in the morning. It's a big sacrifice for people. Some people in the morning, they have a rule, they don't smile till about 10 o'clock. Till 10. Some people, they have a mahmir till 12. But the morning, to see someone and to smile, that's a... That's a... What, why not smiling? I'm not ready yet. I'm not in the mood. I just woke up. But Rohi, the guy needs your smile. He doesn't care if we just woke up. I'm not ready yet this month. We smile on our own terms. Why is it like that? Why is it that in the morning we don't like to smile? So I'm going to give you the answer. Ready for the answer? In the morning, people usually don't like to wake up. People don't like to wake up. When people wake up in the morning, for most people, it's against their will. It's meaning, they have no choice. What can we do? Another day. There are some people that wake up in the morning, they're, they're excited. They're ready to go. They can't wait. And some people, the alarm clock has to ring many times to get up. Because they're not really in the mood to go through another day. Oh, another day. I hope it's not like yesterday. So in the morning, when you wake up, for many people, it's against their will. So they feel that if they're already up, they're doing people a favor. I'm already up. So therefore, it takes them time 
to, right, they're disgruntled for sometimes half hour, sometimes 10 minutes, depending. And sometimes it goes for a few hours where they don't want really to be up, but there's no choice. So until they calm down their anger from waking up, it takes them a little time. People get up angry. That's the way it works. Until you calm down and forget, then you can start smiling a little bit. Now, some people don't smile all the time. That's not, it's not, one, of their, not one of their things. It's a whole different subject. Those are very angry people always. Hashem has many, many, many reasons why He does one thing. Which means, if God forbids somebody is sick, one of the reasons is that you should help him. Now, why he got sick and not somebody else? Because you could have helped somebody else. I should have another reason. Because that guy, for him right now, it's good to get sick. Because he needs a wake-up call. So maybe this is a way to wake him up. So he also needs a wake-up call. Meaning, the fact that he is not feeling well is not only an opportunity for you to help him, but it's also an opportunity for him to help himself. So I, I, all I'm saying is that Hashem could have multiple, many reasons why he does the same thing. Hashem is eternal. Part of being eternal is that your actions are also eternal. Just like there's no end to the wisdom of the Torah, there's no end to the wisdom of the Creator's actions. So one of the reasons why somebody is needy of some help today is because it gives you and I an opportunity to fix it. To and that's called shalom. So again, back to our subject. Shalom could come through sacrifice only. Berit comes with sacrifice. When you smile to someone in the morning, even if it's hard for you, it's a sacrifice. When you go to somebody's wedding, even though you're tired, and you'd rather stay home and go to sleep, but you know that that person would become more complete when they see you. When you sacrifice your time, you are creating shalom. When you make that extra phone call to a person to say, oh, I miss you, where are you? That's an extra investment in the berit of shalom. There is no shalom without sacrifice. We see that, by the way. It says, if you open up Megillat Esther, you will find that the authors of the Megillah, when they wrote Megillat Esther, I know everybody here is very familiar with the entire story of Megillat Esther. That's why they wrote it. So we could all be very familiar. Baruch Hashem. The authors of the Megillah. Pasuk says, who are the authors? They wrote the Megillah. And they sent these sefarim. They sent these books that they wrote. To 127 countries. Wonderful. 
and their description of the we call it Megillat Esther. But when they sent it, they put on the envelope Divre Shalom Ve'emet. On the envelope that had inside the Sefer of Megillat Esther, somebody was wondering, what is this? Should I open it? What's in here? Oh, Divre Shalom words of peace and emit. Who in their wildest dreams, when they read Megillat Esther, thought they were reading Divre Shalom? Where exactly is their Shalom? Is that the theme of Megillat Esther? This is a Shalom Bayit uh, Megillah, isn't it about a man by the name of Haman that came to destroy the Jewish people, Mordechai and Esther, and they saved them, they prayed, they fasted. They, what kind of title is this to Megillat Esther? Divre Shalom. It's really, you would think there's a there's a mistake in the text. This is the wrong book for that. The answer is that the whole Megillat Esther is about Shalom. I'll give you some small and bigger examples. Example one, the whole story of Esther, Megillat Esther and Purim happened with two people working hand in hand very closely together, Mordechai and Esther. It would have been impossible if not for Mordechai and Esther and their team effort to make this happen. That's the way the Megillah is given over to us. The way the Megillah is written clearly shows that if Mordechai and Esther don't work together. Mordechai alone couldn't have done it. Esther alone could not have done it. But their teamwork together brought about the salvation of Am Yisrael. That makes sense. We know that. But how? How did they work together? Well, you see in the Megillah, there's all sacrifice. For example, the first sacrifice that we see with Mordechai and Esther is that Esther's parents both passed away. A little girl living in Shushan and Mordechai Gadol Ador he is from the greatest sages of the generation. He is in Yerushalayim Asher Hogla Mirushalayim. Hazal say Hogla Higla Atzmo. Which means he wasn't thrown into exile. He willingly went into exile. Why would someone willingly 
leave Yerushalayim because his cousin Esther had nobody to take care of her. So he moved and left Yerushalayim Ira Kodesh to go live in Shushan to go watch over this girl. That sacrifice, number one. You see that Mordechai sacrificed not only by moving there, but his relationship with Esther was one of sacrifice. When she was taken to the building where all the ladies were being prepared for months and months and months, giving them all of the beauty needs for a woman. Mordechai knew that Esther was not happy being there. What did Mordechai do? The Pasuk says, Mordechai, listen to these words, while she is in this magnificent beauty parlor, something a woman's dream. Not the palace. She was not a queen. It was the building where they were giving them all their beauty needs. The spa. Think about this. Every day. Mordechai mitalech. Mordechai mithalech, not olech, not walks there, mithalech, hangs out there, strolls there. Lifne hatsar betanashim, in the courtyard, in front of the courtyard where the spa is. Lada'at et shalom Esther, to see how Esther is doing. What's the worry? She's in a spa. What's the problem? He knew that she's not happy there. He knew she felt lonely then. He would go there every day. You ever go visit somebody that wanted a visit? Yeah, how many times do you go? Once. If you go once in six months, you say, oh, I went to visit them, yeah. When they were sick, I went to visit them. You went once in six months. Some people, they're very, very excellent. They're very good. They go once in two months. If you go once a month to visit someone who's not well, you're the gadol ador. Once a week. Every day. Every day. She's not sick. She's not in the hospital. She's in the most beautiful place. But Mordechai knows she needs him then. Every day, he gave up an hour, I don't know how long of his time, sacrifices time for Esther. And we see how Esther sacrificed for Am Yisrael. This story says the authors, you know how it happened? The Vresh Shalom. When people 
sacrifice for each other, that creates a tremendous shlemut, a tremendous completion of power that you can do so much more. Every home that has shalom, that has parties sacrificing for each other, creates a powerful atmosphere. That is the story of Megillat Esther. And you know what one of the shalom is? Shalom is when Hashem sent Haman. That was a big sacrifice for Hashem to send a man like Haman and to create a situation where his children would be at risk and they would be hurting and they would be in danger. For God to do that to his children, that's a big sacrifice. You want to give everything to your children. You would never want them to suffer one second. Hashem has the same feelings, even more. It was a big sacrifice to send our man and his decrees. But there was no choice. Hashem sacrifices to send us problems. When Hashem sends us a problem, it's with tears. It's a big sacrifice. And Am Yisrael sacrificed back. They realized their mistake. And they started doing to do the right thing. They started to sacrifice for Hashem the way they're supposed to. Shalom. They created a shalom with Am Yisrael and Hashem. That's what Pinehas did. What did Pinehas do? He created shalom. Because there was Hashem and Am Yisrael. And Am Yisrael was not doing the appropriate sacrifices. They were not giving up their desires when needed. They were falling. Pinehas, by doing his act, created shalom. When two parties sacrifice for each other, it creates shlemut. It completes both of them and it makes them powerful together. And that is the message of every Beri Mila. Every Beri Mila is a reminder that in order to make our life top, in order to make our life powerful, in order to make our life just with the biggest Berachot and the biggest accomplishment, there needs to be a sacrifice. From who? From Hashem. He's going to sacrifice for us. And we're going to sacrifice for Him. Every morning we wake up, we're sacrificing for Him. Every time we learn, we're sacrificing for Him. Every time we control our desires, we sacrifice for Him. Every time we do what we're supposed to do, even though there's a side saying, don't do that, that's a sacrifice. He sacrifices, we sacrifice, we create shlemut. We create shalom between us and Hashem. And when there's shlemut between us and Hashem, there is boundless power. The power is awesome. The accomplishments are great. This is the way we're supposed to approach every day of our lives. Every day of our lives, we're given opportunities of sacrifice. And all those opportunities came 
with a previous sacrifice. Hashem already sacrificed to give you the chance so you could sacrifice. And that's how we make shlemut in the world that we live in and we become extremely successful people. So every Brit Milah you attend, remember, Hashem sacrificed to make this Olah that it should be not perfect. He sacrificed for you is perfection. He sacrificed it for you. So that you can come and sacrifice it for him. And that is the story of your life. He sacrificed for you. Yes, of course. When you sacrifice for someone else, you're, 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 you're bringing shlemut to yourself. You're completing yourself. When you sacrifice for the Hashem and for the people in your life, you're creating tremendous koach and completion. Have a beautiful day.